Hello and welcome. We're doing a very special and cool thing, we hope. Maybe I shouldn't say it. It's like promising the show to be uh, satisfying. Um, <laughs> we're going to be doing an end of the decade podcast, and it's me and Ian and Andre. Hello, guys. Hello. Ooh, what's up? Um, I like what we're doing here. This was Andre's idea. Explain what we're doing. Because there's all the top 10, and bleh, top 20, top 50. What are we sure. doing? Sure. I mean, like, we were, we were bouncing around ideas about, you know, what this end of decade podcast should be. And I think we kind of just landed on, let's just talk about not only like the, you know, our favorite shows or movies that happened this, this decade, but like, I feel like there's always so much more to talk about, especially with, um, just us as a podcast. Um, and anyone who's been listening knows that we just go anywhere and anywhere, um, everywhere and anywhere. But yeah, so we're just going to be like, you know, we're going to be talking a little bit about things, um, not only shows and movies, but also just like trends and like just pop culture things in general, social things as well, and some like political it. things. Like what happened um, in those ten years? This yeah. last ten years, what happened? Yeah, and hopefully we can we can all touch on some things that we maybe we learned about ourselves and going yes. forward and all of that. So yeah, I'm really excited. It's a very special after decade special. No, I don't know. Um, I like, I really, I like your list. You sent your list today and I, I, for some reason got myself confused and, and was writing a college dissertation about uh, war, um, and started with nine <laughs> 11. We're not going there. I will not scare you guys. Uh, so let's start with yours. I love your ones off. Just, just go through your list and then I'm just going to weave in a couple of my stuff as we go. But I love this one off the top. So let's, let's hit this one. I love this first point. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that, that popped up to me in terms of like game changing things was, Jordan Peele emerging out of his Keen Peele days to make Get Out and Us some of the most successful horror films to date and honestly just changed the genre in general. Totally. Like I still I still look back on those films and I'll watch them to this day and I'm like this is so life changing for me just how I view horror in general cuz it, it I'm not I'm going to be honest like it it did not it wasn't a thing that I found fun anymore. Like there was like the conjuring and insidious uh, days where it was kind of new, but it got really old after a while at whilst other movies were trying to do the same thing. And I think now I think it's a good thing that we're, we're starting on this new trend of movies a akin to, to get out and us in terms of not only how we make horror films, but also how we write them and how we direct them and all. So I think it it's changed so much, and I'm really interested to really interested to see uh, what Jordan Peele gives us next. Honestly. Yeah, I was I, I was shocked, not shocked. We were huge key MP Phil. What's wrong tonight? It's <laughs> happening. Um, end of words. It's like podcast it's release. Like, uh, what is it? Authentication. Uh, I can't say I, it. I can't say it. Either. I can't say it. Um, <laughs> uh, I was. Huge, we were huge Key and Peel fans. Yeah. So when I heard in this interview toward the when they were closing down the series between these two guys, it's like, what do you want to do next? And he goes, I'm going to write a horror film. And he had talked about it in other interviews. And at first, you're like, is he having us on? But then all of the, I went through, started going back through old episodes, and there was a couple of creepy ones that were written by Jordan. And I'm like, he's probably going to be really good at this. Um, but I didn't know how good he was going to be. I didn't know he was going to break the genre apart and like recreate it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a big horror film fan. It has to, 
not a gore person. I mean, I have an old friend of mine worked in the special effects department. It wasn't about I was a you know squeamish. I was just like, eh, plot, okay, eh. But then you know, then there was the like you say the Insidiouses or It Follows and the those kinds of things where I'm like, this is pretty cool. I have like like oh, I like it. You know, I like me some also some thrillers. I like the shadows over showing me the monster. Well, didn't um, didn't even apart from Peel, but that genre changed too because now you had the within this decade that sort of follow reality thing. Yeah, and in I, that genre. Yeah, there's that too as as well. Oh, I, I like the was, found footage stuff. Yes. Yeah. The Blair, oh my god, that was such a big thing. Blair yeah. Witch was like fucking huge, you know, and and uh, I like what's happened with that. And then I was like, okay, now now I'm done. You know, I loved what Paranormal yeah, yeah. did. And yeah, then, that's what I was and thinking then I was about. Done. Paran- yeah, the first one, that, that was it. Oh, Paranormal Activity, yeah. And yeah. I had big uh, big hopes for M. Night. And I still think that Signs, you know, uh, was probably one of my favorite just goosebumpy kind of films. You know, I'm going to defend it. And uh, obviously Sixth Sense and things like that. But what, what uh, Jordan Peele did is he came along and he just, sh- he like you said, he showed people how to do this in a different way. Um, that I don't know if anybody else is going to be able to do it, but I love that there's a challenge out there now. I think I think also oh, totally. like in context of America, yes, that's what really makes it work. He did like four things at the same time, and you're like, what the yeah. fuck, you know? There's there's where we are and about ethnicity uh, relationship and. And I love that his target was the elitist left. And that 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 was like awesome. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck, man? I'm not a right winger, um, but I also I don't even know what my politics are. But I know that there's just a lot of cringeworthy shit that's said on the left that I'm just like, dog, you're just you're only asking for it in the teeth, right? Um, but yeah, again, not a fan of fascism, uh, totally not about this Trump shit, uh, fuck all that, <laughs> I hate racism and homophobia, but I'm just saying, like, I love that his target was that, it was a very yeah. interesting place, uh, to start, and then he doubles down on this with, with, uh, us, yeah. and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, snap, you're just gonna live in this place, and then he's making bold statements as a director and a producer and a writer and saying, I'm just not interested in, like, Casting a bunch of white people. Yeah. I had to sit through years and years and years of this. You know, now it's my turn to like make films that are entertaining. It's just you're going to see us in them. So, excellent point about that was the what that's probably going to be going to be one of the emerging benchmarks from this time is the yeah. Jordan Peele effect, right? And the people that yeah. come out of that influence. Yeah. Because now he is... He's up there with Hitchcock. Yeah. I mean, damn. Totally. Um, I mean, they let him re- They let him uh, navigate through the new um, Twilight Zone. Yeah. So, I, I mean, he's got clout. The the few that I saw, I really enjoyed them. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think he did a pretty good update to the series. Uh, but I didn't get to see him enough to get a sense beyond just... We have to have CBS Plus or whatever. I ain't buying it. it. <laughs> I ain't buying it. I just canceled Disney Plus. I ain't buying nothing else. I'm I'm streaming down. I had a, I was telling my my cousin. I was explaining to her like at the end of the year, I like to get rid of things and strip down and donate and recycle. And it's the time when the town kind of goes to sleep. So I like to clean out the garage and donate some clothes. And um, she goes, oh, so you're having a Brazilian. <laughs> Uh, end of the year and I said is that a Brazilian thing she goes yeah like Brazilians they throw things out and 
start all over again and they wear white on, you know, at the new year. And I'm like, I, you know, I guess I'm, uh, that's me being my Krista white outfit in the beginning of the year. <laughs> One of those things is just sort of like getting rid of like all of this junk in my life. And I was like, I don't, I don't need YouTube TV. I don't need Disney channel and I am not buying the CBS thing. So if it's uh, that content's over there, somebody just, um, text me what happened. <laughs> you know. So I don't know. Um, we talk about, I love your next point about television. Um, just pulling a whammy on cinema and mm. and dominating what a what an excellent observation as well that who would have thought if you had told me when i was a kid that television was going to be this good and this dominant i i don't know if i would have even believed you because it used to be with actors because i wanted to be an actor for the longest time starting in junior high um that was going to be my career path i was going to be an actor and i studied it and you know as much as my redneck heart could or in pocket could get close to training. I lived and breathed the industry and, and the whole thing was just about not ending up, you know, on a TV show. It was about being it's, in yeah, films. It's, it's you where know? you go to die, right? Yeah. yeah. TV was where you went to buy to, to, to die. And when do you think that changed in the decade? Was it very early on 2010, 2011? You know, I, I don't I know if I'm right about this, but I'm going to have to say it's somewhere around the Sopranos. Because I was just looking that up, and The Sopranos, um, I think they aired, was it 99, their first episode? Mm-hmm. HBO. That and was it was a slow burn. It's like they hired a bunch of nobodies with a, with just talented nobodies to be on the show, and it took over. But it was a slow burn. It was a slow crawl. You know, still, you needed to be, you know, a Pitt or an Affleck or... Remember when they, you had to be an Affleck and people were like, who? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, have, but what would have been the show in like 2010? Was there a show that at the beginning of the decade that, because I'm thinking about the best TV shows, um, 2010, could it have been Breaking Bad? No, Breaking Bad was 2013. But we're talking about like when it really became so good. I think the phenomenon... Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to look. Could at, have like, been Breaking Bad, maybe. That's what I'm thinking, but no one really knows these things. Yeah. People always pretend like they're experts on these things, but I feel like for me, it, it the pulse and the temperature started to change with bre- around television with Breaking with Bad. With Breaking Bad, yeah, yeah, I feel Until, like it was. Uh, well, I hadn't seen a lot of television, so I didn't have anything any benchmarks. But when, if I think back, Breaking Bad is probably the first best of the very best of my top ten. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. The I have to ask. I have to ask y'all this because when this question was posed, I was thinking uh, Game of Thrones, maybe. But so I don't remember when the show started. But did it take a while for that to to no that was pop off, or did people off immediately the bat, that was flock big. to it? It came with a built-in audience, and it yeah. did take everybody by storm. But it it was like a it was a boulder that just gathered steam. Didn't that come out in two thousand and eight? Oh no, I thought no, that it was, was two thousand and ten. It was two thousand and ten, two thousand and eleven, and and I'm sure, yeah, I mean maybe that. So you have that rolling along. Then you have Breaking Bad, two thousand eleven, yeah. And then you know what are the other shows that are you have Mad Men happening on AMC. No one even saw Mad Men coming. Joe, you know, Game of Thrones lasted the whole decade. 2011 to 2019. It does, television-wise, it does define the decade in a lot of ways. 
Budgets got bigger. But the Sopranos did that first. Sopranos came along and proved that it could be a powerhouse. And that that was, you know, your precursor. I don't think if you had, didn't have Sopranos. Uh, and 1999 like, to 2007. Yeah, if you, didn't, if you didn't have that show coming along and David Chase, you know, who had experimented with Northern Exposure, yeah. who knew how to character build like no other in this grand kind of scape, I think if you didn't have Sopranos, you wouldn't necessarily have these other things. I mean, Vince Gilligan will even tell you that. David Chase is one of those people that he looked up to for story-wise. So they were throwing a lot of money at the Sopranos and things like that. But the just the, yeah. the phenomenon of, fuck, you know, you got to get on one of these TV shows. But it wasn't like they were making them every day. And like, that was cable network, though. Yeah. That's HBO. Yeah. And then AMC, Sopranos, HBO. But isn't that still true? What network show is just like fucking killing it? I mean, don't say this is us to me. I feel like that's its no. own thing. But for for A level actors do the, to do, clamor to their agents to go get me on a fucking Does like FX does that count as a network show? Hell yeah. I mean, well, I don't see that's, that's oh, see that's cable. That's a cable show. That's isn't cable it? show. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no network show. But again, these are all, you know. Cable. I, feel, I don't know where I was going. I feel going like with I should that, have but. researched these today before we did this uh, show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fuck it. Uh. <laughs> no, I I think it's I think it's interesting to to think about why these shows, why we have such an influx of TV in general. I feel like that. I feel like movie going audiences were were kind of tired of, you know, not first of all going out and not really knowing what you're gonna get. Um. And not knowing if you're going to come out of the theater being like, oh, it was, that was a good, you know, $10 spend or, you know, or maybe it wasn't. Um, but I think people were craving at the beginning of the decade, I feel like people were immensely craving more serialized storytelling. Yeah. And being able to, to live with the story and, and the characters for a lot longer than just two hours. Um, and I think also around that time, the beginning of the decade, um, you know, the last Harry Potter film came out, which kind of snowballed into the Divergence and the Hunger Games and and the Twilights and all of these franchises that people weren't necessarily feeling like they needed to go to if they hadn't seen the previous film. Like, what was the point? Obviously, that's changed now. But I think there was a demand that was so high there. And it also helped that Netflix was going beyond um, when they used to, you know, send you the DVDs. Yeah. Of TV shows four at four episodes at a time, which I think about that now, and I'm just like, it was so funny. Wow, how far would, have we come? <laughs> I would gobble through it and then watch it again and then watch it again. I was like, fuck. Well, I, the, the, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's so bizarre. It feels like that's ancient times. The the whole thing that started this whole the 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 boom of just television, I think, had to have been the technology. Because that's right. Yeah. It's like once we started going into streaming, because 10 years ago, we were still getting the CDs. Yeah. And then just a few years after that, it started to move into streaming and then more and more. Now it's just content out the butthole. It all began with a writer's strike in 2006. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting what happened. You know, It created that strike and, and the things around it. There's not just the one thing. There's a lot of things, but the fulcrum was that. And then you had the, the advent of like reality TV, blah, 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 as you headed toward 2010, this last decade. But I feel like it was guys like Vince Gilligan who sought out networks like AMC so they could create what their vision was within their own lab, much like what Sam did at USA. Yeah. 
You know, a lot of people are learning from that model. I want to work with whomever doesn't fuck with me. Because directors, even high-powered directors, A-listers that you think you know can write their own ticket, they're always going to be the mer- at the mercy of the studio. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of creators wanted more space to create their content. And I think Andre's absolutely right. You know, people were thirsty for serialized content. And I think they wanted to have their F-bombs or their adult content or... Hell, just don't throw a commercial at me just when I'm getting into the moment. And I think Cable got to take advantage mm-hmm. of that. But it wasn't like anybody knew this was coming. I don't think there was a plan for this. Like all no. f- good things, I think it happened organically and through mistakes and through, you know, somebody saying yes to Mad Men or um, saying yes to Breaking Bad. And in the case of Game of Thrones, these guys had never done television before. I know I know a lot of you are going to be throwing rocks at that right now going, yeah, they should have stayed in their box. But, you know. Please calm down and get over it. Um, not all of us are feeling great about some things that they love uh, as well. And, you know, I'm an adult. Calm down. But but when Denoff and Weiss did that pilot for Game of Thrones, it was it was a mess. They didn't know what the fuck they yeah. were doing. And I don't think anyone had any idea that it was going to be on the air as long as it was, be the cultural phenomenon that it was. And so all of these magical things happened out of it. And then, the, you know, people are always trying to recreate it. Yeah, that's the jackpot. That's what you want to be. Sure. On. And then they tell you that the show on Netflix is going to be the next Game of Thrones, and then you're flipping a table in your living room. <laughs> Don't be like well, me, I think, kids. I think it's interesting because the way I remember it, when like when you used to buy TVs that like came with Netflix, and yes. that was a huge deal. But Did it. even then, the content was prioritized to movies. Yes, it was. Like, yeah. I don't. Yeah. they hadn't even caught on yet that people wanted down uh, streamable tv shows and when netflix started putting on original content that was a big deal too because you would start seeing like commercials when they did commercials in the movie theater for like this new netflix tv series and people were like ew like why is netflix making new tv series and now like we're getting a new netflix show or netflix movie like twice a month now i remember Um, this happening i was in a movie theater with someone um and someone was like oh my god a netflix show i'm like Oh, you need to like calm down because I remember the days when people used to make fun of like YouTube. So you need to calm down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a <laughs> yeah. it's a revenue stream that you need to calm yeah. down. And like I remember just the early days, I was like probably in a theater and like uh a handful of years ago, and I'm like, Yeah, people used to talk shit about YouTube and now it's you know, it's a powerhouse. So yeah. I still don't completely understand YouTube. You don't? I went to that con <laughs> no one, one time, does. that YouTube con, and I just, it blew my mind. Yeah. Ab- about what this whole thing There's was. There's a whole world over there that I still, I still walk Nuts. into that room and go, what the fuck is happening on this side of the internet? <gasps> <gasps> what? And then I just run away. I think my brain can't necessarily always process it. I don't know if that's because I'm Gen X or, I don't know. I, sometimes I'll just, and I'd love, sometimes though I'll just go in there and, like, this is a wacky world of whatever the fuck is happening. I kind of love that it exists. It's like the wild, wild west still. So. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's crazy now that we're we're in 2019, like 12 years after YouTube became a thing. And now people are ending up on the Forbes list just by making YouTube videos, which is insane. And if you told someone that yeah. in 2007, they'd be yeah. like, you're fucking insane. Yeah. You're, th- you're crazy. Isn't there like an 11-year-old that recently made this Forbes yeah. list? He's like $34 million. 
I gotta go. Probably. Hunt the key. I don't know what he's doing over there. I gotta go hunt it down. I'm gonna. I want to clock one <laughs> episode of whatever he's doing. Well, that parallels the uh, <laughs> the gaming world too, like making all that money just absolutely. Off of games. absolutely. And again, oh, technology yeah. has made it so where it's, it's like this huge thing that anyone can create their own content. It's insane. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily want to make me want to like play it. So. Yeah. <laughs> No, but yeah, <laughs> I don't want to watch your shit. I mean, and I love that there's, I love that there's just more road than there ever was. I think that's what we end up with. That there's more road than there's ever been, and there's, there's more opportunity. But Access is everywhere. Yeah, and but there's the ugly side of it, which leads to you know the next thing that's on Andre's list is the relationship between the audience and the media we consume that he wrote. And are you mad at me for reading your list for you? Are you mad? Can I read? No, uh, no, okay. this is perfect. Keep cool. going. Um, this is a great point. I'm so I made my list, and my list was dog shit. So I'm taking your homework and turning it in as mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put my name on it too. Putting my name on it too. Um, it's like there's three people's name on this piece of work. Yeah, it's a group effort. It's a group project. And I'm just like, listen, bitch. Um, this is, yeah, it's a good project. So. <laughs> I'm the kid who never came to class except for the report day, and then I was like, "Okay, let's go do the report." So, but you like you have good weed, so you're you know popular. <laughs> um, I just got jokes, and I'm a good wingman and can get people laid, uh, which will, which I'm gonna weave into later. I'm gonna if I lived in West Virginia, <laughs> I would be your old yenta, and I would get you a man. Okay, so oh, we're this, getting this to is gonna it. Get very dark. It's gonna get very <laughs> dark and funny, but um, you know, uh, my old ass has some advice. So this is your point is the relationship between the audience and the media we consume, and we've seen it go from endearing in the beginning of the decade, where creators, you know, were blown away by the social media aspect of a of a project, and they could interact with people. And now it's just downright fucking ugly at times. It's a gorgeous it's holy thing. shit balls. Is what yeah, it is. it's like especially like around like say like the Star Wars thing where. Or Game of Thrones is a good example where people are just like demanding their hoss and pfeffer be cooked a certain way or fuck you in the eyes. And I'm like, whoa, I don't know if like, I mean, I got out of writing on the internet just in time because I used to write a few things. Just I thought innocuous like lists on a site and I got a death threat over like, I didn't even know. I had said something. So I'm like, what the actual... I was just some nobody writing on the internet. Now I see a lot of my old former friends are just like, I'm writing under a pseudonym, dude. Somebody's not going to come to my house and kill me. And so I don't know what the fuck is happening, but damn, (laughs) y'all. Yeah, this weird, weird, like, social advent of of social media and how how it's transformed. I mean... First of all, we were fucked when Twitter decided to double their word count. Mm-hmm. That's just a fact right there. Mm-hmm. The moment yeah. they went from 140 characters to 280, I was like, this is the beginning of the end. Yeah. Um, It'll be no, in sociology uh, textbooks. You're absolutely right. And somebody may laugh at that, but it's absolutely yeah. the fucking truth. That one thing right there changed the world. Keep going. Yeah. Sorry. No, I I just think it's it's crazy because I do remember get, like getting a Twitter account in 2012 and being like, I can tweet J.K. Rowling and maybe she'll see it. I don't care about that girl anymore. Um, and then but J.K. Like, can sit there and retcon her books and like you know be a turf, you know, <laughs> right back. 
So Good. it's kind of it's kind of crazy how um, in many ways the the bridge or I'll say like the partition between the media and the audience is getting thinner and thinner. And I think people are, are in some, and in some ways I think it is a good thing. And some people are seeing past the bullshit of the Disney facade and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, but obviously in many ways it has been a complete detriment to just how we talk to each other in general. Um, and it helps that, to you know it helps to hide behind the facade of an internet profile um and this is not necessarily anything new i mean this was happening in the aughts as well just not on twitter or on facebook or or reddit or whatever um but i think i just look back at the at the game of thrones holy shit balls fiasco and i'm just like i apart from the the toxicity of the star wars fandom i have never seen it hit such a fever pitch and it was also really not a great time because I wasn't one of those people um that was hating the show and whatever um and we always talk about it you know there's always a lot of bandwagoning and like a lot of these so-called opinions always have a hashtag attached to them so they can get the trending and the and the likes and whatnot and um yeah sometimes I, I just wonder and like maybe 2020 will be the year where I just say goodbye to all of that if it weren't for for the way I keep in touch with people and the way I I, I learn about things um but yeah and I mean the the response that not only Twitter but YouTube has been dealing with um in people calling them to take down videos of of you know people flouting outright white supremacist agendas sure and that that news story about that um that that guy on his youtube channel you know just hurling all these homophobic slurs and and racist slurs at this this reporter who worked for a a, a snapchat thing just because he he called out the channel for you know being a white supremacist channel yeah um and how like it's mind-boggling to me that it's still like an opinion that is socially acceptable to have and be out there as long as it's on the internet and the real, real fucking life people won't knock the teeth out of your mouth. Yeah. And here's the thing though. I mean, you know, when you have um, Himmler Goebbels, which one was the, was the press secretary? doesn't matter. Anyway, when you have the Jewish version of it, Stephen Miller, you know, emboldening people, people are more than happy to step out from behind their avatars. People are just proudly like, dropping their, you know, white robes and going, yeah, this is super good times. You know, woman's running down uh, brown and black children on the sidewalk and wherever the fuck that was, you know, just the other day. So that seems to that seems to have um, escalated in the last half of this decade. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, totally. School shootings and then just. Being, you know, all all of this violence is spilling into the street that was always, you know, in people all along, and yeah. now they're in. Oh, being but it's emboldened. not for nothing. Yeah, yeah, it didn't come out of nowhere. It didn't come out of nowhere, <laughs> no. and you know, I'm not believe. You know, I grew up in a, a very specific part of the region where this was just Tuesday, um, and it's just it's interesting, shocking, horrible, horrifying to see that people are just so happy to to not have an avatar and just to yeah. be who that be their bad selves. And it's it's one thing when it's coming for a certain group and it's ugly and it's there and you're kind of expecting that. It's another when 
you're just trying to watch a movie in one of your favorite franchises and it just goes this way that you're like, what's going on? You know, I'm thinking about Kellyanne Tran. Is that her name? Kelly Marie Tran. Kelly Marie Tran, who was in, you know, Star Wars. Like, I didn't even remotely see that coming out of the Star Wars fandom, being run off the internet and vilified. And to the degree, and I haven't seen the movie, but to the degree that, you know, her time got squashed down in in the next... um, a chapter barely, of, of the barely story. Barely a minute of screen time, yeah. Because, you know, to to what? To to appease these fools? And then, you know, don't, I mean, the gay kiss gets cut. You know, nobody's shocked. But I'm just like, I mean, this is actually shaping our content. So it's the snake eating the tail thing that at first it was like, oh, this is cool. And now I'm like, I don't know. Maybe we should, really should start pouring that, you know, basement to go live in because the actual fuck is happening with this yeah i don't even know if there's a, yeah there's not even a line anymore it seems like so yeah it seems like no, it's, and it's i got, think oh go ahead i'm sorry sorry go ahead ian go ahead oh, oh uh it's it's like it's gotten it's gotten it's swung far extreme i wonder if it'll you know course correct that sort of public behavior of because how, how do you unracist people well yeah or or you know just people pulling off of social media and then just it starts. It's yeah. Just well, a there'll hole be that, just a just that. Yeah, because I know you've mentioned it, and now Andre said, you know, possibly thinking about you know twenty twenty. Yeah, I've been talking about it big time. So it's like I wonder what the sentiment. I like was saying a lot of people are probably day, tired. I said, you know, I there's a huge temptation, and and we we'll talk about it off air. But there's a huge temptation just to pull all the faders back off of social media completely. Um, I lived in a world where it didn't exist. I don't, and and I was fine. I got a paper, I checked out the news, I, you know, but I, I don't know if I, was I happier? There was other shit going on. I mean, we had Reagan in the White House at one point. That was fucking horrifying. But it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's very unhealthy and I've got my screen in my face all the time and I don't sleep well and I don't seem to be functioning well some days. Um, and I'm like, you know, you, it's a series of removing things from your life. You go to the doctor, you get a bad diagnosis and they tell you to cut back on things, right? give up this, give up that. And I'm thinking, because I need my brain this year for the book and what I'm doing, I'm like, maybe I don't need to be on the internet. Maybe being informed is what's actually poisoning me. You know, and over, informed about what? You know, seeing yeah. the violence and the horror that goes on every day. I mean, I'm not saying I want to put a bucket over my head, but no. it would be a nice social experiment for myself to see, like, what happens if you just don't know about the hateful, evil shit. And I used to just want to have Northeast, West, South, like what the news stood for, what's going on. But everything is conjecture. Everything is editorialized. So, I don't know. The old news person in me is like, I don't know if I can do it. But socially, there is a temptation just to go, what what, what would three months look like just not being on any social media whatsoever? Well, you know, and I do want to talk about that. And I feel like I feel like we have to acknowledge to a certain extent that we actually have the the privilege to be able to turn off the news portion of our life and not have that affect our lives whatsoever. And we, we do have that privilege. Um, and I think as far as myself goes, I think Twitter for me is about, I'll say, 40 percent news, 20 percent 
funny stuff. And then the rest just me retweeting things that I'm angry about. And I'm reevaluating that. And I'm just like, I'm not sure if all of those times where I, I've just read the most ridiculous and, and hateful things. And I've thrown my phone across the room in anger. Like, I don't think that's, that's worth it to keep in, in, in this new year. And, and if it, it you know, and I think maybe I just need to find another way of getting my news, man. Cause I don't think, I don't think this is it. And I don't think this is something that I want to keep in my life. Same. Um, I feel like right now that's the only thing that's poisoning the well for me. I don't get any discourse on like Instagram. Instagram for me is just like my happy place. Mostly because I get to catch up with people, what they're doing, let people know what I'm working on and stuff like that. I, I have no problem with Instagram and I also don't have any problem with Snapchat, although I'm just, again, reevaluating what do I use Snapchat for? Not a whole lot. I don't really catch up with people on there either. I don't talk to people on there. So maybe I should mix that, too. Um, but, yeah, and I think this 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 vitriol has also incurred this 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 discussion or debate about how we just consume media in general and I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of policing on how you're supposed to consume media or how you can't let your expectations influence your feelings about an ending or you can't feel this way because you don't know anything about Star Wars or whatever. And I feel like people are afraid to acknowledge that you can like something and you can also not like something at the same time. Sure. I know it's like groundbreaking apparently, but it's taken me a long <laughs> while to train myself to think, okay, what are the pros? What are the cons? What is the good? What is the bad? Because at the end of the day, most media is just made by people living in the gray and to look at it in any other way. Here's my thing with the star Wars movie. I hated most of it. Were there genuine good moments that I did have a good time? Yeah, it wasn't a lot, but I'm not going to pretend like they weren't there. I feel like it does a disservice to, just my credibility as a person and someone who consumes media and talks about media to gloss over things. And yeah, at the end of the day, the balances will tip in one way or the other, but, but ignoring things and, and, you know, editorializing things to a point where it's just black or it's just white and ignoring the gray, it does not do it for me. And I feel yeah. like once people realize that you can have it both ways, I feel like we'll be able to have more healthier conversations about the media we consume. Unfortunately, I feel like it's going to take a long while for most people to get there. I very well said. Yeah. I feel like there should be an applause there at the end of that. I suppose an applause and later. Uh, we probably won't. Just imagine applause. Happening. I applause. Okay. You applause. <laughs> I, I feel like we got set up for this when we have the smartphone. The smartphone kind of set us up for, or not us, but a lot of people for personalized experiences the phone is for you um it's a way to sit in a restaurant and you know be unto yourself in fact people prefer that now i remember a time when i would go out alone especially in large cities chicago where i lived here new york and i would sit in a lot of places by myself i preferred it i liked it i'd be working a lot of times and i liked the solitude i like cafes like to people watch and a lot of my friends were like oh my god i can't believe you do that that just seems so weird. Don't you feel strange? Um, and this was, you know, pre-cell phone, right? And it was just your time. And now it's like I, I look down and everybody's got their heads down and they're on their phone. And I'm not like being the old man of, oh, you kids on your phones. What I'm, my, my point is this, that everything's being served to you in this environment. Everything is coming to you individually and crafted for you. And I think that 
that feeds that monster, that egocentric monster of everything is for me. And that translates to when you're consuming content and people are like, where is my ending? You know, where is my homogenized cishet relationship? This is not my dad's Star Wars. The fuck is this shit? I'm not going to have Poe and Finn, like, bump dicks. Get out of here with that fucking noise. You know what I mean? Like, I... I understand that people are they're set up for it being a certain way. Conversely, there are the people and the social justice warrior people who also make my eye roll who are like, you know, they need to have a you know, a, a LGBTQI relationship in every flutter of their content everywhere. Um and I'm like sometimes going, "Come on, guys." I don't need it to be plastered all over everything, but I do understand that you need it. And I do fucking hate the blue balling of like the community where, see, we're going to put it in your favorite CW show, but it's never going to come to fruition. Live with it. So there, there's so many things to say about that, but I do feel like it started with serving this individual single serving that the cell phone gives you. It's your cell phone. You don't share your phone with somebody else unless you're like old people. <laughs> and you, they both have the cell phone and they're going to be grouped together. So you can call them. I'm talking about like just <laughs> in culture, that's our experience. And so everything is, it's, it's designed. I've sat in ad agencies and heard the experts who've broken this down and think tanks who are paid lots of money to figure out how to, to, Get your eyeballs. Get your eyeballs and speak to you. And it's all, all these things are free for a reason. You're not paying for, you know, Twitter for a reason. You're not paying for, for Facebook for a reason. We are in this experimental cage. You know, what's the Pavlovian response for this? What's the Pavlovian response for that? Um, and if the majority of the country were a bunch of Nazis, all of our phones would be white. Um... <laughs> You can only get the one color at the MacBook store, at the Mac store. It's all in white. Uh, yeah, I just, I feel like maybe I'm wrong about that. I mean, I'm not an expert at, at much of anything, but I feel like that's where we were set up along the way. And now when I see people like challenging creators about like, how fucking dare you, I get it. But also, where is the personal responsibility to just go, okay, that was disappointing for me, but now I'm moving on? Am I just confusing everybody with the point I'm not making? <laughs> no, I totally understand what you're saying. I feel like I feel like in most circumstances it's a lot of people getting worked up over nothing, but I do feel like that if there is to be a silver lining of 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 having of giving everybody this equal platform, I feel like calling out injustice or calling out Yes. Yes. Um blatant racism or homophobia or literally anything just calling out anything i feel like you're 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 by by proxy you're giving more people more information to make their own decisions and i mean look i feel like we'd be remiss to talk about how you know gay people could finally marry other gay people in 2015 which was huge and completely set a completely different row of dominoes falling down um, and I, I legitimately remember me, be, me in 2015 learning about that and me being like, oh, okay, 
I mean, I guess it's a big deal. Keep in mind, you know, this is me in high school. You know, I think I'm smarter than everyone else or whatever. Um, and then me, so subsequently, you know, once once that happened, there there was this huge boom in talk about queer representation. Yes. And how it should be implemented and what not to do and, and what to do. And I remember at the beginning of it being like, why does everything have to be gay? Like, why does it blah, blah, blah. A lot of the arguments you hear other people on the other side making against queer queer representation i was unfortunately on that side because honestly didn't know any better and i was raised in a area where i'm not gonna say was rampant homophobia but it wasn't complete complete acceptance either and i'm not i'm not talking about like my living situation just like where i was in relation to where i was living right um and that all started to change when i when i you know finally um you know, admitted to myself that like, oh, I like guys too. Um, and a lot of things fell into place. I'm like, and now I'm just like, I feel like absorbing all of this information. I'm just like, I understand it now. And I feel like in many ways, it's a great thing that we are able to offer unlimited amount of information at the top of our, at the tip of our fingertips. I think that can also be a bad thing as well, because it's, it's grown into this culture of, what is real what's not real what's made up what's editorialized all of this stuff and and i honestly don't know if it's just gonna get worse in 2020 or if it's it's gonna find it's you know cozy spot in the niche of our society as we're dealing with other things um but yeah it's it's such an interesting case study and like all the sociology majors are like living for it Sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting. The culture wars are raging. I don't see the fires going at any time real soon. I mean, like the the boomers, you know, are you know they're they're not going to go quietly. Um, there's we, you know, and I don't want anybody to please come off like I'm anti my own community. I, I'm fully um, supportive of my own LGBTQI. Uh, plus community. I'm I'm here for it as much as I can be. I'm always learning. I'm always fucking up and saying wrong things. I mean, I'm I've had to come from the ancient past of you know um, where we were worried about the AIDS epi- epidemic and doing all that stuff. To uh, every day I learn something. Every year I learn something. Every six months I learn something. So I I might say something. My heart is is in a place where I wish could go uh, to see the new Star Wars movie. And Disney makes a commitment, or J.J. Abrams, or whomever's making this garbage. Who's made it? Was it Disney? I don't know who's making it anymore. But like, yeah. don't don't half-ass it. Don't don't you know tease something with these two characters, and then give us the the woman. Just don't do it. Then maybe just don't fuck with it at all. And then also have the balls to stand up to racism with your actor, and go fuck off. You know, Disney's going to have to make a fucking stand. I know it's an unpopular thing, but this is why I'm not a huge Disney person because they've been doing this for a long time. They need everybody to come to the park. They need everybody. They need to be all things to all people. And I just don't think this era is going to, this next era is going to be too kind to that. You have to pick a fucking side. At one point you have to go, Nazis are bad, okay? You know, at one point you have to go, yeah, they're putting people in cages, yo. You know, they keep shooting black people for standing around living, yo. Uh, they're vilifying the Muslims and they're vilifying these folks and the the queers. You have to pick a fucking side. And it's very disappointing that they didn't pick that young actress side. You know, yeah. that's 
that right there, that's easily defensible. You come out swinging where, where the company, Netflix does it all the time. And Netflix is not even close to being Disney. Netflix's social media accounts like, okay, Jan, you know, that's not what we do <laughs> over here. So fuck off. And it's, it works for them. So, but if you're going to do a half gay thing or a sort of gay thing to get asses in the seat, people are smarter than that. Just don't fucking go there. That's easy enough to do. But don't sit there and yeah. cross the street to set it up and then go, oh, we can cut this out on the airplanes. We can cut this out in China. I'm like, don't be those fucking dicks. I mean, do they, they hire people. There's millions of employees at Disney. Do you not have one guy in there who's got like his head on his shoulders? Is he just is nobody listening to that guy or woman? Probably. No, because if he says anything, person? like the floor beneath him will just like get out. <laughs> There's a button. And he'll fall to the Disney abyss. He goes to the Disney yeah, sunken place. I, you, know, you know, I don't know. And, and we're going to get into this later, but I'm having very little uh, tolerance for um, people just messing up queer representation. I feel like we've had more than enough time to figure out what's acceptable and what's not. And a lot of the time it's when it's not acceptable, it's because there are no queer writers in the room. And I feel like that's yeah. just, it's it, that's where it has to start because I'm, I'm sorry, but like no straight person is going to be able to, to, to truthfully portray that experience. I agree with this. And, yes. and we, and, and you know, I'm 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 also optimistic because I feel like it is going in a place where it's getting a lot better. I feel like I'm very excited to see what Dan Levy is going to do after Shit's Creek, and I feel oh. like it's just going to be even more transformational than what that show already is. I'm very excited for all the new writers coming up who are tired of seeing, you know, their their straight washed and their whitewashed media and wanting to make a change. And I feel like. At the end of this decade, I really do feel like there's a turning of the tide. I feel like something has to give with TV. The oversaturation is getting a little too much for people. The oversaturation of streaming services is also getting too much for people. So I feel like there's a dam that's about to break, and I feel like it's going to happen in 2020. And also, cinema just needs to catch the fuck up, honestly. Because, I mean, like, apart from uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, Love, Simon... Those are the only two movies that I can come up with that has a, a, a lead queer uh, character. Um, well, Bohemian, um, the, the Taron Edgerton one too, and Rocket Man, yeah. Rocket Man, yeah, um, which all happened in the last two years, two three years. Um, no, they need they need to get a move on, um, or else it's it's really going to be the you know the the doomsday that Martin Scorsese thinks is going to happen. And also um, maybe and no, no shade against Terrence performance or Rami or anyone else, but like maybe hire a queer actress to do that. You know, like you're doing with trans roles. Yeah. I was maybe about, to, I was about to ask that. I was, yeah. Do you see that changing? Like straight actors no longer playing, you know, gay roles. Yeah. And again, it's, it's Here's, by degrees, but I mean, it, I feel like it, it is 2000. It's going to be about to be 2020. Can we get a move on? Can we speed the fuck up? I mean, who, well, here, here's the, it, it, and it's got to be a changing of the guard at the studios. Well, they're, like, the, they're the gatekeepers. Yeah. Well, I feel like we're all ready. Everybody's ready. You have a built-in fucking audience. What about like Pose? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's, I want to go back to Dan Levy because you said something as we launch into to this, which is all good stuff. Again, it's so why we stole Andre's homework. Um, is that, <laughs> you know, Dan Levy, again, here's, a, here's the quiet shot across the bow that no one saw coming. You know, like no one saw Jordan Peele coming. No one saw Dan Levy. Nobody even knew what the fuck pop TV was. I still don't honestly know where it <laughs> is. But um, but good good on them. You know, like Dan Levy had this this platform and he had Eugene, you know, his dad's career and his weight and, 
you know, he came in, but he said, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And guys, just trust me. And we trusted him. And the next thing you know, I feel like he's changed uh, TV. He's, yeah. he's this other watermark that we'll be looking back to and that other people will just assume that everybody can have these sweet, unfettered, untroubled, unproblematic moments with two men who love each other, two people who love each other. And it's, it's fucking gorgeous that, that this came along. Yes. And I was like, I saw it for what it was. A lot of us did. We were like, oh, shit. Oh, snap. This uncynical, hilarious, quotable a show that has people flocking to it by the droves. Yeah. And, it and even, here's the yeah. thing. Nobody gives a fuck yeah. about these two guys. You know, nobody yeah. like it's the, the, the good people of the, the world are like, oh, how, how adorable. You know, but it's, yeah. it's it, I love it. I love that what Dan did. He did and he did it quietly. And he he did it without preaching or hitting one over the head. But look, sometimes you do need to hit somebody over the head. Sometimes you do need to, you know, raise hell and throw rocks. Sometimes you need to be in the streets of, you know, Beijing months on end to, to you know, you may lose the argument. You know, you're going to probably lose to the establishment anyway. But it's the raising of the hell that actually, you know, gets everyone's attention and it changes culture and changing culture changes everything. So absolutely. I want to put a pin on the, the queer actors playing queer roles. Cause I, I do want to go back to that. Sure. Um, but what I find so incredibly refreshing about Dan Levy and I, I consume every interview of his that I possibly can. Cause I just love hearing him talk about his, his show and the way he writes and all of that stuff. Um, he brings up multiple times on the question of David and Patrick's relationship. He has been he's he's talking about how he's been in situations where there are full on meetings to talk about how many times these two the not with Shit's Creek, but there are full on meetings with other shows um, when he used to work on MTV, like um, full on meetings and negotiations about how many times uh, these two male characters can kiss. Uh, how many times can they say I love you? How many? How many? How much screen time can we devote to that relationship before it gets pulled off the air? And and Dan Levy came to the show and being like, those discussions don't even need to exist because no one is having those discussions about a a straight couple. No one is rationing or allocating a number of times that they can kiss or that they can hug or that they can say I love you, and. Make making it about just two people falling in love, rather honestly, just for the sake of queer representation, it is a huge milestone. At the end of the day, it really is just about two men that fell in love with each other, and that's that. And it doesn't have to be this profound after school lesson, and it never feels like that on the show. You know, I we're this is what I would love to to have had an opportunity, given another lifetime to do. I'm focusing on myself there's only so much power i was ever going to have in this world and and i know what i mean by that but what i would love to this is my something i would stuff in someone's suggestion box is um i would love for people to just to pick on screen the way we are naturally dan's all the way to doing it he's done it you know people don't like burst out into the street and go into a la la land you know choreography on the way to the store people just are gay they're just gay standing in line they're just queer at the you know they're queer at the restaurant. They're and and literally no one that I personally know is bursting into song and rubbing their gayness on you, and then all of a sudden you feel fabulous. I just, 
you know, there's one thing I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's a black filmmaker a few years ago, and she goes, "Can we just like?" She said, "I love Twelve Years a Slave. I think it was you know beautiful and well done. But do we always have to be slaves? Do we always have to be stuck on the bridge in Selma all over again? Yes, I yeah. love my black history and I love where I come from." And, and I said, this is how I feel about queer history. Do we always have to be coming out? Do we always have to be outed at work? Do we always have to be yeah. scandalized for sometimes we're just gay getting postage stamps, Marsha. Sometimes we're just <laughs> casually gay getting a Slurpee or going to yoga. Uh, and, and no one really comments about it. And sometimes we're just gay at the food court. And I wish, you know, we, because I think people would not be so afraid of it. Because it always happens on reality TV shows. Like, we were just watching the first season of Survivor for Ian's edification. And there's Rudy who was on there. So you had Rudy and then you had Richard um, Hatch, Hatch. who ended up being the winner. Surprise, surprise, if you haven't seen that show in 20 years. It just spoiled Survivor season one for you. But anyway, so Richard is this guy who, who wins it and he's playing by strategy. And there's a lot of talk about him being gay. And what I love about Richard, he just is. He didn't do any gay things. And then they called him out for being nude, and then he just casually was like, but three of you also were nude, and we're not talking about your nudity. Yeah. So he just casually was on the show <laughs> just being <laughs> gay, but his homosexual his homosexuality did not start a fire because he was on, you know, he was a flamer. So they still had to struggle to make fire happen. <laughs> he didn't magically make everybody else in the cast gay. Um. No song and dance numbers were done on the beach, Busby Berkeley style, with a Judy Garland soundtrack. Like, it, it, if we could just get to a point to where, just like people are casually fucking racist and assholes and fascists, and everybody just kind of lets that happen in all of the films I've ever watched, John Wayne, you know I'm talking about you. Like, y'all just let that happen for decades. Decades, bitch. It was in everything I consumed. It was in my coffee commercials. It was in every fucking Western I went to. I'm trying to enjoy the shows of my childhood, and there's Hop Sing. You know what I'm talking about. Like, and once you know it, you don't want to, and I'm just like, fuck, I get it. I know y'all are tired of hearing about it, but I had, I had to live with it and just got it shoved into all of my orifices for fucking years. So... Just give it a minute. Just calm down and let it happen. And then writers, call to action. It doesn't have to, can we just find a way? Be gay in all kinds of ways that you want to. I'm not trying to dictate that, but I'm just, for one show somewhere, can people just be casually gay? And I think Schitt's Creek is the beginning of that salvo. Also, if you go back in some of your older shows, they were there all along. Yeah. <laughs> riding along, shotgun silently. Sure. Um, it would yeah. just be nice if you would just go back and there's a, a couple of things that going back to an earlier point, I'm going to make recommendations while we're in this part of it. Go back and watch Network if you haven't seen it in a while and if you've never seen the, the movie Network, please go watch it. It stands up more than it ever has. Please go watch that. And then there's an All in the, uh, all in the Family episode where Edith's friend is gay and Archie, you know, he was a homophobe. He was racist. He was, you know, that guy that the, the, it was just a clever, subversive show, by the way, because the actor who played Archie Bunker was not even remotely this dude. But, like, you should go back and watch the one where her gay friend um, is on the show and, and all the things that the show was saying about that. So it's been here all along. And, in fact, in the 70s, there was an uproar about this. 
Um, and it was it was fucking everywhere. And you had Nixon sitting on top of everything. And then network came along. You know, these shows were coming along and going, eat a dick. So that stuff is happening. I'm not saying anybody's not doing it. But my suggestion is somebody, just, somebody can just be casually in the drive-thru. Just casually be gay. Not make it such a thing. Yeah, I feel like we're we're tired of of being subtext. Yes, I think that's that's the heart of it. And you know what? And I think what what Schitt's Creek also manages to do um, is just have a show with relatively low stakes, and you're able to watch it, and you're just able to have a good time. And sometimes it gets you in the feels in more that ways than one. But at the end of the day, it's just so low key. I think people love it that it's not I think people are are almost I I I'm getting the sense that some people are are getting a little oversaturated with the with dark and gritty and depressing storylines and honestly I'm not sure I count myself one of those people because you know most of the shit I watch is just like that and it, it makes for interesting television for me. Um, but I think some people, not only it's just Creek, but let's talk about Queer Eye for a second. That yeah. came out 2017, 2018. Yeah. 2018, I think. And it <laughs> changed everything. Sure. And yeah. it inspired people to who not would, only who knew that watch ex- it, yeah. Sorry. but to just take care of themselves and spark yes. debates about what it means to be gay, what it means to be feminine or masculine, or all these things that we've talked about on our Queer Eye podcast. If you want to listen to those, we've done uh, an episode on every season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for But yeah, plug. but it's 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 crazy, yeah. It just I mean, Who knew that being inclusive and listening and caring and showing people how to care for themselves, no matter what their personal politics are, would be such a phenomenon, and people are thirsty for it. As much as people want to say, the base, the base wants the red meat, uh, I can say that there. I think there's more people on the planet who just want to be loved and cared for and heard and understood. And I think if you and you know you can roll your eyes at that all you fucking want, but it is the truth. It's the baseline truth behind humanity. And I think that's why Queer Eye works. It'll always work. And Jonathan Van Ness being amongst those people, all of them strongly bring something to the table. But if it weren't Jonathan and his boldness and his selfness that came to that show, I don't know. I mean, I think it still would have landed just fine. It would have been a great reboot. But I feel like him coming in and just being unapologetically his lovely, inclusive, loving self I don't think we'd be talking about that show the way we do. And then continuing to see what he's doing in his career. And him and Billy Porter, man, just their red carpet game Mm. of like, you know, in in both their cases, going to the Capitol as themselves, going and spending time and sitting with people who are holding office and being themselves. I mean, talk about representation and giving credit for people who are changing the game. And it's happening casually. Yes, it's calculated. Sure. Um, but I don't think it's calculated in an evil way. It's like, I'm going to wear my dress, my best dress to meet Nancy Pelosi or whomever. Um, I, I just, I love that it's happening like that. Those are the beautiful things. It's not all going to hell. Yeah. And I'll let me some gritty shit too. I'm with you. Like just to kind of have a moment to, to mourn robots ending. 
Uh, I needed something. So my uplifting thing was I started firing up Penny Dreadful last night. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is my happy place. It's Penny Dreadful. All right. And I was like, I was playing the game and I was like, I can't play. I got to watch this. Yeah. It's, you can't watch it casually. It, you, as soon as it's on, no. it's like I have to be plugged into it. So talk about also mm-hmm. someone who just, it's never brought up until later on in the series is that character. I forgot his name always escapes me, but he's Lyle. the guy. Yes, Lyle's, uh, you know, they go the, the, the um, cartology. Is it cartology that he is? He's a cartologist or something? Ancient scrolls and scripts. Oh, that guy? Yeah, that character. And the way he says, my wife. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I see you. I see you, my girl. I see you, my old lady. I love you. Um, <laughs> my fellow sister. Continue I on. Wanna, I'll spin out of control I just wanna, if we start talking about Penny Dreadful. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to jump back to the to the queer actors playing straight and then and yes, we can move on from there it, yeah. um here's here's what i'm going to say about it and i've gone we've talked about it on the podcast yes a lot and you and i and talked I about it individually in you and i yeah yeah <laughs> um and here's here's my thing and i feel like this is where tv exceeds over over uh film um if we're looking at all of the films we're looking at the Robin Tugs and we're looking at Bohemian Rhapsody and we're looking at Rocket Man and um oh that one movie Jared Leto was in where he played a trans woman. Whatever the case. Um yeah, there's no Club. casting processes for those movies. They're not holding auditions for who's gonna play Freddy. They they went to Rami. Right. Or who's gonna play this person in Rubbock They went to Scarjo. They went to Jared Leto. They went to Eddie Redmayne for the Danish girl. There's no casting process for this. So it's so there's never even a chance. And I feel like it's either something people don't know or don't talk about enough. Um and that's just honestly just strictly strictly in the in the business model of things. Um but I think that I I wanted to bring that up as a as a way to to add to that conversation because I feel like that has to be taken into account too. And whether or not that needs to change, I mean, honestly, it's not up to us. Um, but yeah, I wanted to stick that yeah, in who there is gonna, we moved on And here's the thing it. too, because you don't get a chance to be the name that can put asses in the seats because the argument traditionally right. is, well, you know, we have a name, and we'll put asses in the seat. Look, outside of Mr. Robot, nobody knew who the fuck Rami Malek was. There was a bunch of us who'd been following his career since Snafu. I saw him, I saw him in the Pacific, and he was one of those names I've been tracking for a decade. You know, Rami Malek, 2010. There you go. I spent a decade uh, tracking that dude's career, and it's been awesome to see. And I got it. People coming after him for not being queer and blah, blah, blah. My argument about the whole Rami Malek thing is that he had a sort of a look that you could build upon, he had a vibe that you could build upon. And because of his robot work, I think Dennis O'Sullivan specifically saw uh, in this guy what he could do. Trying to find a guy who can be Zarostrian and, and, and all the things that Freddie was. I mean, no one was ever going to fill that order. And I know you guys are going to come here with your whole, I wanted um, Sasha to be it. And I get it. Sasha could have been amazing too. But here's the thing. Talking about the queer thing, I don't know that you can get that ask and then get that as well. So I can kind of almost be cool with a casting director saying, I got to do this. But, but you're right. Was there even a casting process? Yeah. I mean, if you had gone casting, if you're going to get a relative nobody, right, like Rami to be Freddie, could you not have at least taken a little time to go and find that person? Did they? I don't know that for sure. 
But I feel like you're right. All these other roles, it's like. No, to find to find that person, it's time and money. Right. And that comes limited. So oh, I, yeah, I, I totally I mean, get uh, it. Cast, you know? the, the casting process is a long and expensive yeah. thing that, I mean, like, if you can is bypass it, it if is you casting got long and expensive? I mean, like, I feel like you Oh, gotta... it can be. It totally can be. And there's yeah. so many variables. Is it really expensive? I don't know the I casting know, breakdown of that. But... I mean, like, I'm sorry. It's like people with putting their shit on, like, YouTube. Like, oh. I think I'm naive about the casting process. But I feel like you're onto something here. It's like, Take the time. Like, it, it, it's going to be, it's not up to us. You're absolutely right. Who are the people who are running the show? What, you know, person who's queer and sitting in the driver's seat? You know, where's the, you know, obviously you've got Lena Waithe on the inside now. Thank God. <laughs> she got herself on the inside. You've got people on the inside who, who can turn and make these decisions, you know? You have to, you have to, you have to spend the money. It's like, it's like uh, in sports, we have to go out and scout. I mean, you have to have a, a almost a division that's going out, and maybe they do. We're just looking for fresh talent, new people. Yeah. Because, like you said, the, we're we're recycling everybody. Yeah. You know, it's just like okay, we're gonna see him in this. Okay, he's in this. Yeah, because and I feel like mm, I feel like we'd no. be a little hypocritical to not bring up that. Noah Reed, who plays Patrick on Shit's Greek, isn't gay. Yeah. Yeah. And he just happened to That's be a true. friend of Dan Levy and he and they knew each other and their little Canadian acting family. And that was that. Sure. So it could become the question now becomes I'm not mad at the actor. Represent- I want to I want to be clear. I'm not mad at Taryn or Rami oh, or yeah. Well, Scar Joe, we need to talk, girl. We need to have lunch. But you know, she's also I saw Marriage Story and everybody's making fun of that movie. It was fucking awesome. I'm sorry. I wanted to hate it. She was fucking amazing in it, and I forgot that ScarJo could act, and so is Adam Driver. <laughs> they were fucking amazing in it. Beautiful script. Maybe the cheese stands alone over here, but come on. But still, seriously though, maybe let's fire management or just get an extra friend in the entourage who can go. No, or you know, is Colin Jost? No, just don't ask him. He doesn't know fucking shit. But I'm just saying, like. <laughs> Is there somebody in your world who would be like, maybe not even let this get out that you're, don't ponder any of this shit, but yeah, it's very strange. It just yeah. feels fetishized when it came to rub and tug. It's like, what? Didn't make me feel good about her at all. I, I digress. You guys continue. Well, so let's talk about cancel culture. <laughs> yes, let's just pop over to that. Speaking of canceling Scar Joe, I don't know what I feel... It's probably going to be something that you guys are not going to like. But you guys go ahead. Cancel culture. And No, I, I mean... I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we brought up ScarJo, so we had to do it. It was um, a great transition. I'm glad that you were there. Well, I wanted to talk about it because it kind of... We also did want to talk about the Me Too movement a little bit. And in some ways, they kind of go hand in hand. They do. Um, but I think it's this uh, this cancel culture thing has come up pretty recently um and i see a lot of people and i i agree with them that in some ways it's not a thing um because actors can sort of say or do what they want send out an apology and they're still working Mm. i totally get that and i agree with with that side of it um but for some reason i never saw cancel culture as what it that was so my understanding of of cancel culture, the way I had seen it worked, is that something comes out about someone saying something or doing something shitty, 
And without authenticating it or hearing the other side, it's immediate. We don't, we we're canceling this person. We don't talk about them anymore. They're terrible people. They're blah, 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 blah. My favorite example being this, this weird James Charles thing that happened over the summer yeah. and how people kept going back and forth on that. And I was like, to me, that's cancel culture. Cause you're seeing this, 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 you know, a potentially clickbaity headline in a Twitter news article and you make your decision from there. And then like, that's it. And you're done and you're up screaming and you're burning his makeup. But like, girl, you already bought his makeup. So like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're burning it. You're just out on makeup now. Um, <laughs> but, but so, I mean, what do you, what do you guys think about it? Do you agree or like disagree? I mean, cancel culture back in my old uh, ancient days is you got fired, <laughs> but you had to have killed a man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, you could get touched, grabbed, punched, hit upon, uh, threatened. And if you're a white dude, you get away with it. If you're a woman, you squeaked, you know, you got fucked, which is playing into the Me Too thing as well. So when I'm talking about these things sort of like uh, as companions, as you said, it, it's about agrees with me. Like, like somebody says something racist on Twitter ten years ago and gets called out about it. It, it, it depends on the reaction. First of all, I don't know why. It's, why are you tweeting? I don't. Why people? Y'all need to get the fuck up off of Twitter <laughs> and put. If you're gonna drink, put your phone in the other room and lock up the phone. Is what I say. Are you racist every day? Are you racist in actual, real, living color walking around life? That's what I want to know. Because fuck you. You know, I'm canceling you out of my life, I guess. I, I don't want to know racists, right? So once I know that, I don't really want to be associated with that. Now I got an ooky feeling about you. I don't want to put money in your pocket, so eat a dick. If you're homophobic, same thing. Are you homophobic 24 fucking 7? But did you say something unfortunate, stupid, dumb, uninformed, casually racist 10 years ago, but that's not who you actually are. I'm just not inclined to cancel you. Depends on your reaction to that being found out and blah, blah, blah. Doubling down and folding your arms and saying, I'm not going to apologize for it. It's probably not helpful. Yeah, PR, that that doesn't work. Right. Now I'm going to be like, just judging you as an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like, Apologize <laughs> and move on. PR firm. Apologies free. Just yeah. say, I'm a fucking stupid... I didn't mean it, and I'm sorry. I wouldn't even release a press release. Just It's two sentences. I'm a fucking idiot. I don't feel that way. That's not what I actually believe, and I am sorry. I just saved you somebody like thousands of dollars because we that's <laughs> yeah. all we were wanting to hear, right? Well, what about... But if you are actually like... Don Imus just passed away today, and there was one time when I was in radio, Don Imus was the guy. Like, we worship Don Imus. He, he finally revealed himself to be a raging fucking racist. So today, I think HuffPost or LA Times are said, racist, famous racist dies. <laughs> dies. And it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. You don't want to be Don Imus. Yeah. You don't want to live to 79 years yeah. old after this amazing, like, long career and just devolve into, like, a fucking, like, brown shirt at the end of your life. So if that's who you are, 10 years ago on Twitter doesn't mean anything to me. Right? Are you walking around? And here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, of those of us who've worked in the business, there's people out there who have not been outed yet who are racist, who are kind of rapey. 
and who are just horrible human beings, and you're watching their TV shows right now. Yeah. Because they're protected. But then Me Too goes after a guy like Chris Hardwick, who had a relationship. And again, I can't take sides in that. I don't think she's necessarily, I'm not going to say that woman's wrong. She had her own experience. But Chris got kicked off his ABC. Uh, He got the Nerdist disavowed him. And I'm not saying, I don't know Chris. He doesn't give me money. We're not homies. But I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, they, they ran that dude out on a rail for, I mean, he was just on the edge of town. that He got invited back. But that's where I'm going, y'all need to calm the fuck down. He's got that Hearst money, though. Yeah, he did. But also, that was the also irony of that one. But also, like, Aziz. Here's Aziz thing. and Zari. What, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. He had a bad day. Yeah. Calm down. Is Aziz a chronic serial womanizer? You know? Is he Kevin Spacey? No, Kevin Spacey. Not only Kevin Spacey, the most horrible fucking dude right now. He's just doubling down on it. And one of the dudes that he grabbed, assaulted, just committed suicide. And he just made a video about, like, killing his accusers. Oh, my God. Anybody who works for Kevin Spacey right now, I don't know, bro. You guys need to, like, I just get, just run. Well, can can we get a drink and get out of the building? What about (laughs) when it comes to, like, you know, politics? Yeah. Like, you know, Al Franken was run out. For, yeah. And then what about, you know, uh, Ralph uh, uh, Northam, the the, the uh, governor of Virginia? Remember yeah. it came out that he, he'd done, he posed blackface in his medical journal or something? Right. And everyone was asking him to step down. Yeah. Which Same he thing. didn't. Who's, but it, who's a representative up here who got, you know, body shamed, slut yeah. shamed, sex shamed? Uh, Katie, uh, yeah. Katie Porter. Uh, not Katie Porter. Um, I forgot her name. Not Katie Porter. Not she's Katie amazing. Porter. Yeah. But the um, other one. Yeah. Yeah. She's uh, from Santa Clarita. Katie Hill, right? Katie Hill. So here's the thing, though. If you're Weinstein and you've just been serial raping women while also now faking, you know, being old and shit and saying that you gave women opportunity, throw that motherfucker in prison, okay? Just throw him in fucking prison and go to hell. Our president has been accused by 30-something yeah. women in county. Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh. Yeah. Good old Brett, you know? Uh, so that is cancel culture. Said Thomas, but they get too. away with it. I don't think somebody. I think Cabello, one of the Fifth Harmony chicks, said something, and now everybody's wrecking her over the coals. What I want to know about that chick is: Are you walking around piece of shit, racist? Yeah. Well, here's the thing, and that I was just gonna bring her up because this was a, a recent like oh shit moment for me is that. So yeah, this Camila Cabello thing came out and like she said racist stuff when she was like 15 or something on Tumblr or something. Um, and she put out an apology and and there were there were um, black people pointing out that like, you know, I feel like it's not it's not white people's uh, right to accept that apology. No, I agree. Not and that's what that was going to be my next That apology point. isn't that apology isn't for them. And it's not up to them whether to accept it or not. Right. And I'm like, shit, they're right. They're absolutely. Like, yeah, here's the thing, too, about, I was going to say about any of this. Unless you're the uh, victim of sexual assault, which I am, um, I can speak to that, but I am not black. So black person may be like, hey, y'all can accept their apology all day long, but still fuck them. Same thing with queer people. There's a lot of queer people who are just like, they're not forgiving Kevin Hart anytime soon. Absolutely, dude. That's completely up to you. That's completely up to you. But when you're talking about somebody losing work, I think it needs to be more fair and balanced than just, 
You know, and also who is coming for that person? It's like the black community gets to say all day long whether like, hey, not so fast. But I think you'll also find a lot of forgiveness within these groups as well. It's like, you know, let some time settle, blah, blah, blah. A lot of people were forgiving Kevin Hart in the black community and they were like, fuck the queer people. Who cares? He's one of ours. So, again, the world is plaid. It's not even black and white about this stuff. So, but I don't even know. I'm not even sure what I know what cancel culture is. Can- is cancel culture just a cultural thing, at, in, in, as the word says, or is it like you're going to lose your, like, your check? The criteria is different for everybody, right? Because if you're yeah. supposed to be losing check, checks if you're like doing bad, bad shit, Harvey Weinstein needs a Sky Mansion taken away from him right now. You know? Yeah, or I you, just or think you get the canceled way- for doing good, good stuff. They don't want you around. You're you're gonna cause them to change, and they're not gonna be able to be corrupt. I mean, can't that go other both yeah. ways? Putin does that all the time. <laughs> cut yeah, your door open of, with like a, those... you know, a laser saw just to, to kill you because you're trying to come for him. He's like, this is the way we do it in Russia, man. We don't just you don't have committee hearings. We just cut your door open and fuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, I, I was just gonna say it's uh, it's one of these weird social phenomenons that we're still going to be figuring out what it, what it means in, in the next coming years. But no, for me, it's just, I, I just wanted mostly to talk about how I think the, the core of cancel culture in, in some ways is not a thing because again, some of these people are still working. Um, but in, in the other sense, there is this, I think it, for me, it speaks more to people's willingness to uh, immediately believe something. I think. Um, and, and even, and I, I even say that with some hesitancy cause it's, it's also isn't my place to, to question the validity of that and what, and whatnot. Um, well, I think when you but, were visiting, um, when the whole James Charles thing was blowing up, uh, his argument with, I've already forgotten her name, but like, you know, there was what I saw because I don't know anything about influencers. What I saw was an older woman getting, um, a bee up her ass about, uh, this this wildly popular makeup guy taking Coachella tickets from her competition, and then all of a sudden he's trying to make straight people gay, and it just got ugly quick. And then another older older person, Jeffrey Star, piling on. And what I saw that from, and maybe this is very naive, is two older people who needed to calm the fuck down before they came became for a very young person who was just trying to live their life and who seemingly I don't think meant any harm. But even if they did, you kind of took it across the street, across the road, down to Australia and circled the globe and now it's Space Force. So I didn't understand (laughs) making it so crazy. It's not like he, he didn't do anything egregious. He took Coachella tickets from your competition because he wanted to get out of the sun and live life and, you know, do Molly in a nice place like a decent human being, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to be in, in a, a cow pasture, yeah. you know, under the boiling sun <laughs> taking Molly. You want, you'd like to have some scaffolding and, you <laughs> yeah. know, an umbrella. That's all he fucking did, y'all. And everybody's like, you want let's, the cabana. Just, let's burn him at the fucking yeah. stake. And I'm like, okay, let's just put this in some kind of fucking context. I need context. But then again, if I'm the offended party, a group of people, I don't, I am totally with that. We don't accept your apology. 
And then I'm always like, now what? So <laughs> is she done? You know, not likely. You know, people limp on from this. Wounds heal. And then some people, you know, disappear into the hole that used to be Brian Singer, you know. So, but I hear he's still got a gig coming up. Somebody's going to pay him a few million dollars to direct. That's, I don't know if you can, you can't see my finger quotes. Um, so, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to watch, but if you're the victim of it, it's got to be maddening and horrible and painful. And everybody's watching. It's, you know, we're not feeding lions to you know, Christians to lions anymore. This is our new gladiator. Sucks. Okay. Um, well, I wanna, on that happy note. <laughs> on this uplifting note. So the decade was interesting. I think all decades are interesting, especially in this country. We're a young nation. We're still in our terrible teens. And I feel like, you know, a lot of, a lot of countries are hanging back. The older brothers like, you know. Uh, like Norway is like, it's okay, you'll grow out of it. You know, you know, you won't always have acne. You'll finally calm down and think that, you know, understand <laughs> that religion should just be a side thing. It should be your main it's a thing. Hobby. <laughs> you should Hobbies, just, religion. Italy's like, yeah, it's basketball. a thing, but is it really a thing? There's soccer. So like, I feel like, you know, we're, we're a nation that, you know, we're always like, oh my God, look at us. And the rest of the world is sort of going about their business going like, we're in our 15th revolution. You know, yeah. calm your tits. Yeah. We have, we have like old Iron Age underwear, <laughs> you know, rotting in our basements. We've already done this shit, so whatever. And then some of this is completely new to the world because of technology, yeah. and I don't think anybody knows where it's headed. I just like for us all to calm down and like approach these things with level heads, and possibly not overact, overreact to everything. I've already bracing myself for another four years of Donald Trump. You know, I'm already in that mindset of like, I'm not resigned, okay? I'm not saying I'm not going down without a fight, but I'm also not going to be where I was that, you know, November 8th, 2016, where all of uh, the solid things in my body fell out through my bottom holes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to ever be in that place again. I don't want to be fooled again, you know? And I thought I was pretty savvy when it came to like politics and where we were headed, but Trumpism and fascism is a thing, so I don't know. We could get another four years of this fool, possibly uh, another eight if, you know, the con- the Supreme Court is, you know, on a runaway ship. But who will we be in those times? You know, we still have to live and breathe and sleep and eat and comb our hair and, you know, hug our loved ones and, and make connections. So we don't live and die on Twitter it gives us a really unrealistic view of how the world is constructed. So in between all of those great big upheaval moments, I just wish we would just find common ground with each other. Or if you can't be kinder as best you can. And then if somebody's just being a fucking dick, walk away. If you can, if not pick up something heavy and fling it, maybe, you know, sometimes <laughs> you get in the hit in the face with the garbage can lid. It'll calm you down. You might change some point of view, you know, and it bonds you when you're trying to help this dude breathe because his nose is broken. There's all kinds of ways to, to skin that cat. I want to go through, like, yeah. w- real quick, we have our, our things that we talked about, what we had in the decade, uh, just round robin, the things that, that came to us in, in this last decade. I'll start with you, Andre. Hit your list real quick of, like, things that 
that you learned or, or you're not going to do anymore going forward? Like, what are those things for you? Oh, girl. Um, a lot of things. And, and we've had our, our conversations off air about this. Um, I think me personally, I, I look, uh, uh, I look back on the, on the last couple of years of, of how I handled some, uh, pretty big situations in my life and i think i'm, I'm kind of being i'm kind of done of of being a pushover of being a doormat because i feel like um i feel like a lot of people have walked on me in the past couple of years i'm not gonna say this whole decade because i mean girl i was in middle school in 2010 i was gonna say um, where do you live uh, <laughs> <laughs> um no i i i'm done uh, you know just letting people treat me like shit i guess and i, I feel like that's where a lot of people are at um i'm done with that and i i'm done with um dating apps ha- happy to say honestly like i feel like it's going to be dating apps and then social media is just going to slowly trickle away because i feel like the last two years have, have been me just like re-downloading and deleting and downloading again these these crappy dating apps um only to come away from it with you know, maybe it goes anywhere from just low self-esteem to being stood up at a Starbucks. So it hasn't really brought anything to my life uh, that I necessarily want to keep. So done with that. Um, I want to say we're not going to do it here because of time, but and also just because it's a me and you thing. But I do have some uh, I hate I hate being that older person who does that advice unsolicited. But in this case, I'm going to give you some not normally my thing, but I, I got a couple of things that, that may help you. It's kind of started with Here's the idea that I learned from Betty Friedan and uh, and others back in the day. Make a list of the things that you want in another person and then become them. And then just stop looking for anyone whatsoever. It kind of starts there. But we'll talk about it a little bit later. And I didn't pay attention to that uh, bit of advice um, until very, very late in life. And then that's when I met Ian. But I'll tell you uh, a little bit about that later. So, just so. And I was, look, I was... I. I got uh, slammed around face first in a bunch of dating apps. So I feel you. Yes. <laughs> right. And continue. I'm sorry. That, that's it for me. That's it. What, what I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For me, it was a decade of healing. Um, 10 years ago, I was doing all the things wrong, made a lot of bad decisions. Healing started when I started uh, just walking away from, trying to do stuff for other people. When I just started seeing myself in my own eyes, at first it was painful. And then it became about daily trying to see myself better, being my own hero, stopped having heroes, stopped looking up to other people, stopped seeing myself through other people's um, filters. And mm-hmm. now I, I'm at an age where I just, when people like want to step across to even tell me if I'm looking nice, I'm like, oh, well, thank you. I get my hair cut. I don't ask anybody if they like it. Um, I don't, and I don't live to spite anyone. I just don't, it doesn't really matter. And I'm finally living in the space. Um, it was 1984. I wrote in a, in a diary one day. I hope that I just don't give a shit what anybody thinks. Um, and I, I'm, I'm so glad that I get to tell that young self, you know, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here girl and it's fabulous because I don't give a fuck and I don't mean like fuck you I just mean like I don't it doesn't occur to me right. to worry about what other people think about me I really don't um, I got fat shamed by a house guest and I was just like oh, hmm. 
<laughs> and went into the kitchen and made a snack. I don't give a fuck. I mean, that's that says more about what an asshole you are than it just made me go. Do I want to be your friend? Uh, that didn't hurt me at all. But you know, it took a while. It took a uh, it took fifty some years, right? So I feel like other people can get there faster. Um, yeah, the power of not giving shit. And then I've been throwing away any kind of tchotchkes of trauma from the past. Anything that's associated with. I mean, I think Ian seen it. I got rid of my, like, I got rid of a car. It wasn't associated with trauma, but just, like, things from the past that I thought I could never part with. Like, I got down to the gun metal. I con married some traumatic tchotchkes. And it was awesome. It's like, I don't miss that stuff. I don't, I don't need the T-shirt from the uh, World Pain Tour of my misspent youth and bad decision-making and low self-esteem. So, yeah. Ian, what about you? Um... Personal stuff from from the decade. Like, what did you learn? What are you not going to do? Any of that kind of stuff? Uh, well, I think um, I mean, I really, I really learned a lot about myself as far as like who I am and what direction I want to go, for career and personal life and all that kind of thing. I, I think you know the this last year was a lot of exploring, or not year, decade was exploring, you know, the world around me. You know, a lot of new um, influences. Because I, pretty much, I mean, we've been together the whole, what, last decade. So a lot of new shows, new actors, new way of looking at things. So that that has been a lot of fun. You know, like people know, you know, the, the what is it, the reality TV um, sure. film fest or whatever. It's you funny, you grew up television. in a town and didn't know that they yeah. made this stuff here. You I, didn't know yeah. they made movies here. No. I had no and idea. And now you work in it. <laughs> no idea how, how now you're made. on set with Angela. Well, see, that's we, the fun. That's the funny thing. You were on set thing. with who, like Susan Sarandon, and you're like, oh, I don't know who that is. That's the <laughs> the funny thing is that um, it's like I I just I lost my train. Sorry, but it's, yeah, I never knew how uh, just how it how it happened, how it was made, and then you know people like if I'm out working and there's people we're out you know on location or something and. People are like, oh, so what are you, what are you shooting or all this? And they know the lingo. And I was like, shit, I didn't know that until I started working. So and yeah, now you come home and you've been, got zingers. I've noticed. So I think it's it's good. been it's been a really good as far as that. You know, it's very it, the world is a very interesting place. You know, it's very exciting. It's very it's terrifying, but you know, we'll see what happens in the next decade. I think I think I agree with what what Andre was saying is that I think. All these things that we've come across in this last decade, you know, I think in the next we're going to figure out how to solve them. You know, social media. Um, so you're hopeful. Yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful that, that we'll balance ourselves out as just a species because the alternative is, you know, it's drastic. Are you a resolutions person? Either of you guys, do you make resolutions? I, I don't make resolutions. I... I in in a way where it's like okay I want to do this thing and then in you know a month it's not gonna it's like it's gonna fail like I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna lose weight I'm gonna go to the gym all that kind of stuff no right. it's oh it's always been well at, at least with last year it was more um, uh, my job and I think this last year I've met all of them and surpassed a lot of them. And you're just going to, you're going to level this year. That's your thing is yeah. leveling. It's, you know, not? next, what's the next step? Because, right. you know, there's so many different things in sound that you can do. So. What are they, uh, what about you, Andre? 
What's any? Um, you- yeah, I, I, I'm not a res- resolutions person either. I, I mean, the things that I, I want to work on in the next year. I mean, I feel like this year I've, I've made them pretty attainable. Like the whole thing about the dating apps. I feel like that's something I can, I can keep going. I also just put down. I want to read more. Because I used to be an avid reader, and I cannot remember the last time I had read a book cover to cover, so I, I just want to read more. I feel like those are pretty attainable things for me to work on this year, um, and I'm, I'm not I'm not putting you know weight loss or exercise on it because I, I you know if it happens great. I always want to do that stuff, and sometimes it doesn't happen, and I and I can't fault myself for it. But I think also I just have. Um, things i want to accomplish professionally i'm i I'm, you know i'm gonna finish dorian and it's gonna be a, something that i can say is completed and hopefully we'll get a second workshop and i'm graduating and all this stuff um and so i'm, I'm excited for what comes next huge year for you. you're graduating yeah. yeah that's something neither of us ever did <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we graduated we, from we high did school. it once <laughs> we graduated from high school but yeah and then you graduated from the recording school i just got a certificate i didn't even go to the you, you get a certificate from graduating from the other shit too. You yeah, just didn't but go it, to graduation, but, but you not, graduated. I graduated, but that's like that's like graduating from like crossing guard school or something. <laughs> I don't know. You know you, or We're it's, never it's, gonna get them to be a sponsor for it's, fuck's sake. It's the ten it's the ten it's the ten minute um it's the ten minute anger tr- management course that you take that what's her name took that before. Amy took on yeah, for Alabama. That's what it is. That thank you, Lars. Wow. Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Woo. I don't know if I can follow that. Uh, I want to get outside uh, this year. I, I have been holed up in this house since 2016. Um, not for what you think, but trying to figure out how to write a book. Now I feel like I, I know what I'm doing. The book's going to come out. I don't know. I'm going to say spring. Who, who the fuck knows? It'll come out when it comes out. But I'm going to get outside, though. So between sitting at the desk or wherever I'm going to be writing, I'm going to kind of move around in the backyard coffee shops. I'm going to try the coffee shop probably one time and come home and go, fuck that. I used to try to uh, write in coffee shops, and I just got annoyed by people and and wrote very angry, angry shit. So that's going to be the one time. And then I'm going to be like, fuck this coffee bean. I'm going home. Um, oh, I'm such a coffee shop writer. Yeah, I just can't do it. I just, I'm also just very aware that I might look like a fucking asshole sitting in a coffee shop trying to write something. Anyway, but then like two of my like heroes, Lena well, Wade and Great, thank Ray you for t- putting that in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. No, I don't mean it. Like, he, like there, I'm probably... sitting in the corner of this no, Starbucks look. with final draft <laughs> open and I'm, scra- <laughs> I'm see, making my see, new screenplay. See, there, what I'm saying is maybe in West Virginia <laughs> or in Morgantown, wherever you're writing, that seems quaint. Here, <laughs> There's 15 assholes at the same table you're sitting at doing it, and it just feels like you're a part of some shitty thing that's happening. So I, I don't know. Um, it's like a, it's like the Starbucks or the coffee bean. It's like the we work. It really is. Spot, you and know? it's just everybody's just smelling their own farts and like chuckling at their own writing. And and then I just start hating writers, yeah. and then I have to leave. Um, or they, I, or you have like the the person that brings their dog in, and it's just like. There's just so many assholes here. I mean, I love my town, but there's just really a lot of assholes here. Um, And I just don't want to know that about my town. I'm just like, I'd like to keep the blinders on and go, I love it. And I don't want to sit next to some writer going, you should have seen my pithy scene in Act 5. I'm just going to stab you with a fork. Um, (laughs) Then you can like like wipe a tear away because it's so good. God damn. And they do. No, you think that actually does happen. There's just so many smug bastards sitting right now. (laughs) 
And then there's somebody right behind him looking at the thing so they can steal their idea. See, that's the person I'm admiring. Snatch that idea. (laughs) Just be the story thief (laughs) at the Starbucks this year. That will not be me. I don't need that. I can make up my own shit. Thank you very much. But I am going to get out. Um, I am going to try to, uh, and and what I mean by get out is I, I, the, the bar is so low that I, the, my house is a biosphere. So I think I'm going to discover the farthest corner of my backyard, starting there. And then I've, I've agreed with my elder neighbor to walk with her to Cloverfield Park, make a couple of circumferences around the baseball field and return home. That's what I mean about getting outside, not taking some fucking walk-up runyon with 50,000 out-of-work actors who want to be on, like, The Bachelor. I'm not yeah. doing that. Even if I run into Kevin Smith, who's probably awesome, I'm not fucking doing that. Hikes here are a nightmare for a million different reasons. But I'm just going to try to move around more, get out more, and, um, I don't know, traverse around the city and find maybe some new food. It's a it's a city of food. It's a city of adventures. And I'm going to probably be oh, yeah. a tourist in my own town. L.A. has got so many corners to, to discover. I kind of like to do that this year. Will I? We'll check back in July when I tell you I've been exactly to two different places yeah. I've never been before. <laughs> Let's check the traffic first. Yeah, the, it's always going to be day, that. On the day of, we'll check the we traffic. We do this every time. Like, Let's go yeah, to that place. That. It's like, fuck, it's raining. Yeah. It's hot. What's it? And then we look at Sig Alert and go, yeah, yeah fuck yeah, that ramen place. Yeah, fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> God, we're so uplifting. Um Let's get on out of here. We will see you very, very soon. Uh, we'll be back with whatever we're going to be cooking up and talking about. Lots of uh, things on the horizon for us. We'll be letting you know what that is as as we get into the new year. And if we don't see you before the new year, have a have an amazing New Year's. And also, don't feel pressure to go out, by the way. You don't have to do all that stuff. You can stay at home. It's just a calendar roll. And it's not even a real calendar. It's just something that we made up. There's all kinds of calendars. It's, it's The year's already changed in other cultures, you know, four months ago or whenever. So, yeah, don't sweat it. Or if you are going out, please don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. And, and also, don't get in the wrong car. You know, Ubers are just pretty tricky and lifts and stuff. Uh, you just watch your surroundings. Just stay at home. Um, stay, yeah. at home. <laughs> stay, stay at home. Stay at home. Stay at home. We will see you very, very soon. And just know that we love you. And, uh, yeah, take care. Bye, guys. Happy New Year. Bye.